Welcome to Tucson New Thought. I think about that movie and how profound it was for me growing up to have that be part of my, I mean, it's, it's so present as a part of my childhood, that, that movie, not the Johnny Depp remake which I did not care for. It was very creepy. It's kind of a creepy story, though. Like, it really is a creepy story. And that really went for the creep factor. You know, I think about that boat ride, <laughs> which freaked me out as a kid. I mean, that was terrifying. <clears throat> but the song, you know, when they come into that, when they come into that, that room uh, where they first see the experience, and it's like, you know, here's the thing. That is the expression of a divine mind that knows there is no limitation. And so the character of Willy Wonka has allowed his imagination to take forth, be led through intuition to create this environment that is magical. We all have the capacity to do that. We don't have to go and rent a warehouse and create a magical room like that, but we get to create that in every aspect of our lives. Creativity is the thing that adds color to our world. If we were not the creative creatures and expressions of light and love that we are, we would simply be automatons. That's what I believe. We would just be robotic and everything would be exactly, and we, there would be no room for express, expressiveness. Last week, you know, that color, that color that, 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 that um, creativity adds to the world. I talked about that through the rainbow connection. There's gonna be a theme to the songs this month. I don't know if you've figured that out yet. We have a magnificent capacity to facilitate our own change. And that is what differentiates the human expression and experience of love from the animal kingdom, although I think that, you know, we're finding that there actually is more capacity for, well, let me tell you, my cats affect change in their own unique way. They have, they have decided minds and they can affect change. They can affect my behavior. Think about that, All right? This capacity that we have to facilitate our own change is rooted first and foremost in imagination what we can conceive, that imaginative idea, what we can conceive, and from that conception, move into that place of belief at the core of our hearts can come into our expression of life. Ernest Holmes wrote this, after the intellect has made a decision, then the imagination is called into play and the game of living commences. After the intellect has made a decision, then the imagination is called into play and the game of living commences. How many of you are willing to give in to your imagination and just play? Sometimes, sometimes I see a hand, yes, right? There's yeses. How, how much do you lead with that? Here's the thing about life. Life is supposed to be fun. Um, I did play the scarecrow once, <laughs> back, in, back in the day. I can, you know, still maybe do a little bit of that. Life is meant to be fun. And if we are not having fun, then what's the point? 
what's the point? I want to have fun in my life. And so I allow my creative nature to take over and, and, and move me into that place of fun more and more and more and more. And I'm going to tell you something. I let that go for a period of my life. And here's when I let it go. Oddly enough, when I was learning this philosophy and thought, I'm going to be a minister. And so I'm going to be very ministerial. I shouldn't do that. I need to lose a little weight before I can really, <coughs> before I can really effectively let that jacket be closed. I let that go because I had this conception, ah, see, there it is, what I conceived of, I had this conception of what it was to be a minister. That conception rooted itself in a belief system, and all of a sudden, a lot of the fun in my life went away because I had to be serious about the philosophy. I'm not British, but bollocks to that. <laughs> like, we... we if I am not up here saying life is meant to be fun and then living that, I can't tell you that life is meant to be fun. I need to be expressing that in every fiber of my beingness. I am here to lead as a spiritual leader by example, not to preach a philosophy and tell you how to do it. I have to be living it myself because that's the greatest way to learn how to live this philosophy is to say, oh, I'll have what he's having right? We are always, 100% of the time, no matter what, we are always causing creation. It is ceaseless. It begins in our minds, that pure imagination. Everything we set in that imaginative, causative place produces an effect in the world of form. That is the fundamental premise of the creative principle that we teach. Everything starts in mind. The question then becomes, and I have to ask my, this, myself this question, am I willing at all times to, 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 to experience the results of my thoughts? Am I willing at all times to experience the results of my thoughts? Because I'll tell you, I have thoughts come up that I would rather not experience. Gratefully, I have a causative mind, and I can catch it in the moment and say, oh, that's something I would rather not experience. I'm going to do the mental work necessary to eliminate that as a possibility in my life and move to the other side. We are deciding in every millisecond those decisions become the expressions of our lives. The process of creation is not about... Uh, now, I want you to listen to this very closely. You ready? because this is big. The process of creation is not about fashioning something out of nothing. It is the process of refashioning what already exists. Everything in the world of form, everything, is the energy of divinity expressing itself as form. I talk all the time, and it's a, it's, it's a concept that people have a hard time with sometimes. I talk all the time and say, everything is love. Everything is divine. Everything is this creative energy. But that's a very obtuse kind of conceit. It's, a, it's an obtuse idea that people have a hard time getting in line with, right? The substance of matter is the substance of spirit. There's no separation. So just go with me on that. All right, Because the only thing that the divine 
infinite mind has to create from is itself because there is nothing else. You see how that logically works? It is infinite, and so the only thing that it has to create from is itself, its own energy, its own understanding of itself. So the process of creation is not about fashioning something out of nothing. It is about the process of refashioning what already exists. So here's what happens. We have lives that we have experienced, and there are things in our past that exist. Is there anyone here for whom that is not true? <laughs> we all got our stuff, right? We do not need to worry about trying to change that stuff. All we need to worry about is in this moment, moving forward, refashioning our mind and taking what already exists and allowing it to become what we would like to experience. One of the things that that requires is forgiveness of the self, to let go of those things that we feel culpable for. We don't need to feel culpable for those things any longer in our lives. As we hold on to those mental ideas, what happens is we carry them into our present and we carry them and we carry them and they weigh us down. And as they weigh us down, we refashion the world around us to be in alignment with those things from our past. We don't need to do that anymore. But it's not about addressing those things in the past any longer. It's about addressing what it is we would like to experience. At the core of all form is spirit. Spirit is the stuff of our experience. So our decision-making process is about recreation. And sometimes we create things we don't want. We have two options when we create something we don't want. We have two options. Either we look at that as failure or we look at that as opportunity. Which do you decide on today? Failure doesn't have to be a negative. Failure can be understood as opportunity. Because here's the thing, I have had many lessons in my life. Again, anyone out there who has not had lessons in their life? I've had lessons in my life that, is, that have shown up for me to take the next step in my own personal evolution. And I recognize them now as lessons. I didn't always, and I used to live in that place of, oh, Life sucks. Life is so hard. I don't do that anymore. I recognize that it is a lesson, and anything that I perceive as failure is just an opportunity to know the next thing, to know what it is I would not like to experience. Emma Curtis Hopkins was very famous for uh, her affirmations and denials. And that is one thing that we have gotten away from a bit in religious science. We, we, we stand up here and we say, affirmation, affirmation, affirmation. Sometimes we need to say affirmation denial to know exactly what it is we would not like to experience, but always moving to the side of the positive and saying, here's what I don't want to experience, but here's what I would like to experience. Perhaps we need to start breaking those perceived failures in our own minds, those answers those answers that come up to the question, is that what you wanted? If it's a no, if the answer is a no, we need to break that no. And we're going to break it down today into this idea. No means next opportunity. No is the next opportunity. So when we find something in our lives that comes up and we, we have, we've attracted into our experience because we're in charge and we say no... Don't look at it as a failure. Look at it as next opportunity. That's how we break the no, because we can live in no, or we can live in no. 
What's next? What's next? This may be a break from our consideration of the deepest sense of self, who we have been and who we continue to express as in this plane of action. The difference between failure and success, there's one thing that differentiates failure and success. Does anyone know what that is? So clearly I need to be teaching class. How you interpret it, okay. There's, there's, one, there's a one word answer that I'm looking for. While those are all correct, it's not the answer that I'm looking for. Acceptance, Acceptance is a good one, but it's not the one I'm looking for. What is the difference between failure and success? It's one word. It's a one-word answer. You ready for me to tell you? Yes. Consciousness. Everything boils down to consciousness. So the reason I say I need to teach class is because that's the joke answer. That if you take a class, and you know, some of the classes require an exam. Uh, to pass the class, especially if you're going into becoming a practitioner or a minister, you have to pass the examinations. And we always joke and say, well, if you took an examination and every answer you could answer consciousness, and you would be correct. <laughs> when you take a class with me, please do not do that. <laughs> Today, I'm going to offer that I think it is time for us to reject ourselves. We need to reject our basest instincts that suggest we are failures in any way. If we think we are a failure in any way, it is time for us to reject that sense of self. It is time to heighten our sense of consciousness into that next thing. And that next thing, we must let go of the concept of failure and break that no. We had a paint party. You know, have, have any of you done paint parties? It's something I would love to do here where you have an instructor, usually a, an accomplished artist of some sort, who will, for a group, bring you in and teach you the fundamentals of painting and what they have done. So what we did in Kauai is we were given the task of painting a landscape. And there were aspects that needed to be a part of this landscape. There needed to be a mountain. There needed to be ocean. There needed to be a palm tree. There needed to be a sandy beach. Okay, we were in Kauai, so we're looking at the environment around us. So we're all given the same instruction. There are 20 people in this experience of the paint party that I had just this past January. We were all in the same experience. And all you're given is, basically, you see what the instructor is working from, their conception of this painting. And they say, so we're going to start with mountains. And here's how you do a mountain. And they're verbally telling you how to do a mountain so that it looks like a mountain, right? And we're doing it. And, you know, we hear it, but we're not, I'm not looking at her painting. I'm looking at what I'm doing. And I'm making my mountain. And then we go on and we're, we're going to do the ocean. Now we're going to do the palm trees. And here's how you make the wispy fronds of the palm trees look like they're blowing in the wind. We're hearing all of this, we're hearing all of this, and then you do the sandy beach, and here's what you do. And here's what is so exciting about that process, is we are all given, each and every person in that room, the exact same instruction. And what results are 20 completely unique paintings. 20 completely unique paintings. Partially, this is in how we understand and interpret the instruction through our own use of consciousness. But ultimately, what this is rooted in 
is our own imagination. What I loved is that there are people who really, they were very much into the mountain part of it. And so all of a sudden, their mountains were not just mountains, they were literally volcanoes, right? Well, we're on Kauai, so the mountains are volcanoes. But they really went for it. And then they've got lava coming out of theirs and everything. Like, it's really fascinating. These 20 completely unique expressions are rooted in the same infinite consciousness, but individualized through our own use of this consciousness. It is the decision of each artist. Now, here's one of the things that happens. We all finish our paintings, and then we all put them on display. And what is the, what is, what is, what is the human nature thing to do? We start to compare our work with everyone else's. And we decide whether or not we are a success or a failure based on the world of form. We do this a lot in our lives. It is, our na- it, is, it is human nature, right? It is that base instinct that says, I have to compare myself with everything out there to determine if I am a success or a failure. Success is not about how much money you make. Success is not about the way that you, um, the, 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 the degree to which you have notoriety in the world. Success is one thing and one thing only. Class, what is that? <laughs> Consciousness. Success is consciousness. It is an idea at the root of our beingness that says, I am a success, and so I am a success. Everything I do must be successful if that is my conceit and that is the belief at the root of my heart. So how do we let go of the concept of failure? Because I'll tell you, I looked at my painting and I did it. I did it. This this established spiritual giant before you (laughs) did it. I looked at that. I looked at my painting and I thought, oh, Look at that painting, that's so beautiful, but what about mine? I decided on some level that my painting was a failure. And you know what, I'm a good painter. I'm, there's actually, am I gonna do, yes, you know what, I'm gonna do this, you ready? I'll be right back. <laughs> this is the result of another paint party that I did. I don't know why I feel like I, this is the result of another paint party that I did. Um, the concept was to do birch trees, right? So we were told how to do birch trees, and, um, and, and it was up to us to determine what was around that. How did we express? What was the expression of our birch tree? I clearly did not want mine to be naturalistic, or did I? This is a conceit in my own mind. This is me using my own imagination to understand and express in a very unique, individualized way. This is what we have at our disposal at all times. Thank you. I'm going to set it there. Are you judging? I don't need to worry about your judgment because I know the truth for myself. Thank you. But even that, you know what? Even that. Any judgment that we experience being expressed to us from other people, whether we call it good or bad, is for other people, not for us. I know who I am. I am solidly, I am in a solid foundation of knowing the truth of my beingness. I remember at every moment. This is what I've committed my life to, to remember who I am at all times. How do we let go of the concept of failure, right? Part of this is we need to retrain our minds. I have been in this philosophy long enough now that I think I've retrained my mind to a pretty good degree, but I'm still working on it every single day. 
do you know how long it takes to break a habit? There's a, there's a time frame that is suggested. 30 days, 21 days, 60 days, 30 days, 17 days. It depends on your consciousness. It depends on your consciousness. Because here, I went and looked it up today, because I've always heard it was 21 days to break a habit, right? That's kind of the standard thing that I hear around. I looked it up today in, in, in that infinite resource, the World Wide Web. Who calls it the World Wide Web anymore? The internet. I Googled it, indeed. And it says 66 days on average to break and change a habit. But we're talking an average. For some, it is as little as seven days. For some, it takes years. But on average, it takes 66 days. I don't know how they really quantify that. I mean, clearly there's research around that. Right? Here's the thing. It is like going to the gym. When we are working to retrain our minds, it is like going to the gym. How many of you think that you can go to the gym once and walk out a muscle god? <laughs> if that's what you're looking for, which it may not be. If you have a certain amount of weight to lose, how many of you think you're going to go to the gym once and lose all the weight? You have to work at it. This philosophy, I am sorry to say, is work. But as you work it, it becomes the basis of your being and the work becomes part of you. And there will come a point where it is no longer work. But here's the next thing that happens. You then find the next thing that you need to work on. Right? What is required is the commitment to change and the consciousness of change. You have to be consistent in the work. One day at the gym doesn't change anything. One prayer may not change anything. But we teach in this philosophy, pray, do your spiritual mind treatment work until you demonstrate. Demonstration is that thing that you want to experience actually being in the world of form. Required for the most efficient change, this is a requirement for efficient change. Develop good technique. Because here's the other thing that can happen at the gym. If you're a weightlifter like I have been in my past, if you do not have good technique, you can end up doing more damage. It's the same thing with mental work. If you do not develop good technique, you can actually create more damage. I'm not going down the road of knowing that there's any damage happening in this room or for anybody who's watching. I take the time to train my mind. And when I do that, I get the results I want. Technique requires training to get the results I want and to avoid harm, I must do the work. Ernest Holmes wrote, trained thought is far more powerful than untrained. And the one who gives conscious power to their thought should be more careful what they think than the one who does not. The more power one gives to their thought, the more completely they believe that their thought has power, the more power it will have. It's the perfect demonstration of the creative process. If I believe that my thought has power, my thought has power. If I believe that I am powerless in my thought, then I am powerless in my experience. Everything is equal. Every thought that I have shows up in some form equally in my experience. We negate some of those thoughts. So when you say, well, I thought about a million dollars, it did not show up in my bank account, it's because there is probably some underlying belief there, a thought idea that is negating that thought. So what do you do? How do you do this? How do you train your thought? There's a very simple technique 
that I teach and is the primary technique we utilize in this philosophy. We call it affirmative prayer, but frequently we also refer to it as spiritual mind treatment. This is the primary training tool in this philosophy. Ernest Holmes in the glossary of the science of mind wrote, treatment is the time, process, and method necessary to the changing of our thought. Now, a lot of people get confused when we talk about treatment because their approach to treatment is, I want to change that thing out there. But that thing out there is the result of that which is in here. And so treatment has one purpose. It is to change our thought, not to change the thing out there. As we change our thought, you know what, you know what naturally happens? That thing out there changes. But if we are approaching it from the point of view that we want to change that thing, now that may be a great idea. That may be a great uh, point of knowledge to look at and say, oh, there's something out there that I would rather not experience. It's a great tool to be reflective. But if we're going to do the work, we're not trying to change the thing. We're trying to change this. Mastering the art, the act, and the science of treatment requires work. Here's what happens when the work is embodied. Your first solution to the perceived problems in your life becomes your last solution. When you embody, I'm going to explain it, when you embody the practice of spiritual mind treatment as a new habit in your life, then when something goes awry in your life, your go-to is no longer blame, it is no longer upset, it is no longer a sense of failure. Your first go-to becomes... I know who I am, I know that I have the power of mind, and I'm going to treat to know the deepest understanding of this. Your first solution becomes your last solution. Whereas frequently, treatment for, and I see this in, I see this in ministers, sometimes myself included. I'm not going to say that I don't have experiences where treatment is the last thing I go to. Sometimes I go to that place of thinking I'm a failure, but I always get to that place of saying I know who I am and going to treatment. But it is work to train our minds to allow treatment to become the primary focus of how we shift our lives. Your first solution, treatment, becomes your last solution. It becomes the only solution you need. Got it? I have been on a journey for years to make my first solution my last. Still working on it. So if you are ready, here's the thing. If you are ready to break the no, if you are ready to recognize failure as your next opportunity, if you are ready to understand that your first solution is your last solution, let your perception of failure be something new. Come with me. And we will be in a world of pure imagination. We will not only imagine this new world, we will create it from the inside out. Namaste. Thank you for listening. Visit TucsonNewThought.org for updates on everything that's happening at the center. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Tucson New Thought. Namaste.